This is the Prairie Prophets Podcast with host Brandon Butler. Sitting down with me today on this episode of Prairie Prophets is my good friend Chris McClellan. We've known each other for years through previous roles in conservation organizations, and today he's coming at us as Director of Agriculture Programs with Ducks Unlimited. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, Chris, you've been in the conservation game for quite a while. Yeah. Now you're with Ducks Unlimited, yep. working on agriculture issues, yep. really near and dear to my heart. I think we agree that conservation and agriculture often are too far apart, and we're looking for bridges to bring those two together because at the end of the day, we all care about the same things. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. No, 100%. I think the, uh, the fun part of this work, you know this as well as anybody, there is that perception of mutual exclusivity, but they're very much mutually inclusive. You know, the things that we cherish and care about, you know, folks in the agriculture community do too. And there's a ton of opportunity out there for, uh, for great collaboration and work. If you love to hunt, you need to wake up every day and thank a farmer. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and farmers are trying to make a living. They're trying to do the best they can. Oh, yeah. Clean water. They want their children drinking clean water just like you do. Absolutely. And we're all trying to find ways to do things better. Yeah, yeah. Because of that, both Ducks Unlimited, Raceline, we're involved in these Climate Smart Commodity Grants. Ours is Horizon 2, focusing on cover crops and restored prairie. Tell us a little bit about the Climate Smart Commodity Grant that Ducks Unlimited is involved in. Yeah, yeah. We're really, really fortunate. This has been a um, just a, a blast to, to work with partners such as the National Pork Board, Nestle, Sustainable Environmental Consultants to um, put this all together. And really what we're looking at is uh, infield, edge of field practices that support clean water, soil conservation, soil health wildlife habitat, and carbon sequestration. And so we're, we're focused on uh, Missouri, Iowa, and Minnesota. So for Ducks Unlimited, you know, those are, those are priority states for us. We're just getting this up off the ground now, but it's, it's really been uh, well-received thus far. We have three staff uh, that are DU staff that are helping the broader agricultural team involved with this grant deliver this work. What I really love about it is, it, number one, it's it's going to make an impact on the ground, both for wildlife and for ecosystem services. And it's really going to help these producers, the participating producers. It's going to strengthen their bottom line. It's going to help their efficiency on their operation. Those are all things that pull on my heartstrings. And we're, we're thankful and grateful for the opportunity and excited to see where it goes. Well, people hear Ducks Unlimited. Their mind immediately goes to ducks. Right. Just makes sense. That's why it's in the name. But when it comes to having more ducks, to having a healthier duck population, it's not like you're capturing ducks and putting them in cages and breeding them. It's right. the work on the ground oh, yeah. that results in better duck habitat, oh, yeah. which results in more ducks. Oh, yeah. Talk about that. Talk about that aspect of producing a healthier duck population. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that, you know, it, it all starts obviously with you know the dedicated men and women and our volunteers, both staff and volunteers alike within DU, working to uh, restore, protect, and enhance wetland habitats. But we got to keep in mind too that there are habitats that also uh, you know other habitats that are very important and critical for for waterfowl nesting and and brood production, and uh, those are those are grasslands. And so you know there's two real uh, focal points of the work that we're doing in this space and that is we want to keep the wetland habitats that we've restored and worked with others to restore healthy 
So I'll give you an example. Let's say we restore a wetland. It's in an area that it encounters or, or has significant you know, sedimentation runoff, let's say. In a short period of time, five years, that wetland can be inundated and, and, and um, with sediment, it can, can lose its value and not be as productive. And so we want to keep that sediment up in the watershed. We want to keep it in the places where it's going to be the most productive. And so that's, that's one aspect of this, of this work. Let's keep those wetlands functioning, keep them healthy and available for waterfowl. The second part is diverse grasslands. You know, per the prairie pothole region where our Climate Smart Commodities Grant is, is really focused is incredibly important for waterfowl in terms of, of nesting habitat and production, pulling off broods every year. And so, you know, we want to see and do our part to help create and enhance and restore diverse grasslands in addition and in association with these prairie potholes to, to make more ducks. It's really that simple. And we, and we can do that in a way that is really profitable for, for the operator and for the producer as well. I think it's fun to refer to the prairie potholes as the duck factory. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's where the ducks are made. That's right. That's right. We throw around the term wetland a lot, but a lot of people in the general public probably don't know how a wetland is defined. What exactly is a wetland? Yeah, the wetland is 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 really complicated, actually. You know, it, it can be, they look different depending upon where you're at in the country, and they're really defined by, by soils. So it isn't just a wet spot necessarily, you know, that you see. It's, it is, uh, does it have a certain percentage of hydric soils? Or does it produce of aquatic vegetation of a certain classification and type? They look different depending on where you're at, coastal marsh, you know, versus uh, prairie pothole wetland. And so they're, that's what makes them very unique and very productive is, um, is they're very diverse. And the water holding capabilities is just one facet of, of what a wetland is. Wetlands really suffered during the agricultural expansion of yeah. our country. If you go back a few episodes and listen to this Prairie Profits podcast with Bree Stick from Newton County Soil and Water Conservation in Indiana, we talk in depth about the area in Northwest Indiana known as the Grand Kankakee Marsh, Mm -hmm. which has been drastically, drastically reduced. The Kankakee River at one time was 232 miles of meandering stream and wetland coming through the Northwest corner of the state. It was turned into a 90 mile shipping ditch and all the wetlands were drained. They say at one time about one fifth of all the waterfall migrating through the lower 48 States went through that watershed and having grown up there and, and still having love and affinity for that part of the country, I can tell you very few ducks come through comparably today. Mm-hmm. How has restoration work, how has Ducks Unlimited and private citizens work to remediate a lot of the damage we did across this country to our wetlands? Yeah, it's the focal point of, of our mission. It's um, collaboration with state fish and wildlife agencies, federal fish and wildlife agencies, and our volunteers and private citizens to alike to to work on wetland restoration. I mean, it, it all starts with the priority landscapes. The landscape you mentioned, Kankakee Watershed, is is smack dab in an area that's been identified as really important for waterfowl. And so, DU has collaborated with all the partners I just mentioned to do wetland restoration work, and and that has occurred on both public and private lands. I mean, it is. Not, you know, again, mutually exclusive to one another. These things go together. And so we've been very fortunate in our partnerships that have allowed us to, to step in and play a role in this work. And so 
you know, that's, that's the focal point of what we do is wetland restoration work. And we try to complement that where we can with work up in the watershed, but it's, it starts and it ends with wetland restoration for us. I really love the fact too, that not all, but a majority of the Ducks Unlimited volunteers, the people who are funding these restorations are hunters. Oh yeah. It goes back to the conversation we've had on this podcast before about how hunters can be the great conservationists for a species, for a habitat that they hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, they're actually out there trying to take ducks, but they're putting their money where their mouth is and trying to do everything they can to ensure that resource continues into the future, okay. which is really the definition of conservation. It's Absolutely. the wise use of our resources. And a great example of that for me, our mutual friend and your colleague, Chris Sebastian, took me on a, a really neat opportunity to the shores of Lake Erie where we met with a dozen or so duck clubs. I got to sit in a rocking chair that uh, (laughs) President Hayes, Rutherford B. Hayes was a member of one of these duck clubs. And you see these men and women that are out on their weekends, not duck hunting, but actually working to restore the marsh, working to restore the wetlands, doing the work to make sure that the ducks exist in the future. Those projects are going on all over the country with Ducks Unlimited. Talk about the the power of that collective volunteer force. It's it's unlike any other. I mean, it, it is it's really kind of hard to put into words. Honestly, I, I've I've been very fortunate to have the opportunity to work at our last two national conventions, and you get to see just how passionate uh, these men and women are. You know, they're volunteering their time, you know, their treasure to support the mission. It is impossible to not be inspired and, and excited by what you see. And, and you know, as, as staff, if, if we, you know, and, which happens every day, you encounter challenges, you know, usually we're one volunteer away from a solution in, in a lot of cases. Either someone has a contact that can help us, you know, see a project through or they'll jump right in and, and be the first, the first folks in line to get dirty to see the project through. And it's, uh, it's impossible to to not have that pull on your heartstrings and just be so grateful that you get to, you get to surround yourself with volunteers like that. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. You and I are doing okay in life. I mean, we've got good jobs and I'm talking okay financially. We're doing okay, but we're surrounded by some of these men and women that have means that we'll never know. We'll never understand. But what becomes so humbling is watching them give those dollars to the mission and that's funding your salary. Yeah. What would you say to those people about the commitment and the passion and the work of the Ducks Unlimited staff to know that their dollars are being spent as wisely as possible? It's this this team if you let them they're they're going to work 24/7. They care as deeply as as our volunteers do about the success of the mission about the uh, the organization about making the biggest impact they can this you know these these are the one of many common threads i feel like that we have with our volunteers is this is legacy stuff these are the things that you know when i retire you know i want to look back on and say you know i gave my career you know gave gave my professional life to this and cuz it matters that much to me and that's the, we are fortunate to have an army of staff that feel just like that regardless of their role, they're, they're supporting the mission, they're behind it and they believe in it. And that's the, uh, the, the primary thread that binds us is, you know, we believe in it and we, we know we can continue to be successful. 
And for all those people who can't give a million dollars a year or a hundred thousand dollars a year, if you're like us and you can give a hundred dollars a year, that really matters. Yeah. Those hundred dollar bills, they add up. Yeah. And you can feel really good about that donation when you want to see better habitat and more ducks flying. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and know that that's, that's going to the ground. It's going to make an impact for sure. Let's talk about this new national campaign Ducks Unlimited has. This is a big deal. Yeah, it, it, it is. We we uh, just mentioned our national convention just a, a second ago. We This year's convention was in Las Vegas. Uh, great turnout, again, was um, well attended, super powerful uh, week with our volunteers and our, and our leadership. And, and our, um, our national leadership launched, announced in conjunction with our our friends and, and colleagues at, in DU Canada and DU De Mexico, our first intercontinental campaign. So it's conservation for a continent. It's a collaborative effort between Ducks Unlimited, Ducks Unlimited Canada, Ducks Unlimited De Mexico, and it's a uh, three billion dollar goal, comprehensive campaign over four years. Um, that's a lot of hundred dollar bills. It's just it's <laughs> going to the ducks. You know, we're we're in, and that's uh, it's it's it's, it's exciting. You know, we, uh, a lot of conversation around, man, that's a, that's a heck of an undertaking, but we're going to do it and I'm excited for it. I know that our team is as well. And, you know, the work that we're doing in, in the ag sector is going to be a big part of that. Well, 3 billion, it sounds like an astronomical amount of money, but when you consider these grants that we're working with, yeah, I was in attendance when uh, USDA secretary Vilsack, secretary of agriculture here mm-hmm. in our country. He said that when they announced these Climate Smart Commodities grants, he was worried that there wouldn't be a billion dollars in ask. He said, we're going to put it out there and hopefully there's enough ingenuity and entrepreneurialism going on to at least ask for this amount of money and we'll figure it out from there. Well, he ended up with $20 billion in asks. They raised the amount given from $1 billion to $2.8 billion. And that just shows like, where our country is headed. Yeah. We believe nationally in sustainability yeah. and in a, in a future that is more climate friendly. Uh, nobody's trying to get there overnight. I mean, we're all trying to take a, a common sense approach to this, but to see collectively from the conservation organizations, the agriculture industry, renewable energies, uh, for me being in renewable energy, it's so neat to see all of the major oil and gas companies now at the table. Just five years ago, it wasn't really that way. Yeah. So I'm on the board of directors now of the American Biogas Council and chairing the Committee on Education and Outreach. And it is so heartening to me to hear people from Shell and BP and the largest of the large organizations saying, yeah, we have to educate people more. We have to do more outreach about these initiatives and all the good things that we're doing collectively as not only an industry and biogas, but as a community of people associated to the landscape. Yeah. So Ducks Unlimited is right there at the top of the conservation space. It's been, you know, you talk about partners, right? And, and, and folks that, uh, well, two things. One, I've, I heard the same message from, from the secretary, you know, will we have this level of interest? And in the back of my mind, I thought, oh, I, I bet we will, you know, and, (laughs) and, you know, and what was super cool about it was, how much interest there was, the level of ingenuity that and, and dreaming that came with some of these proposals. And that's exciting. I mean, that's cutting edge stuff. And and that shows you the, the desire to, you know, as a collective, as a country, 
to go all in in this space and do it in the right way. And so that was that was awesome to see. And I don't think that's going anywhere. I think that's going to be here to stay. And then, you know, and then the um, you talk about partnerships and that's what makes anything happen. All this happens collaboratively and, and our folks like yourself in the corporate space jumping in and working with partners, you know, like, like a DU or, or whomever, that's been a lot of fun. And it's been, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's a new space for groups like ours, but, but relatively new, you know, and I feel like we've learned as much as we've been able to provide, but it's been so exciting and very rewarding to get to work with more with folks in corporate sustainability to, to find creative solutions to achieve our joint goals and missions, you know. For us at Raceline, it really begins with Rudy. Yeah. You know, Rudy Raceline, the founder, CEO, I came to know him through my work in conservation. He is an absolutely dedicated conservationist. Not only puts his money where his mouth is, he puts his land Mm -hmm. and he opens it up for research. Uh, There was just a big turkey study done there. So I think when you have somebody at the top of your organization that cares Steve Merritt comes to mind, who's a huge, huge oh, yeah. leader in DU. Yeah. Just the man I admire so much for his endless contributions to conservation. People like that who set the tone for their organizations. And again, you know, we're talking about big, big companies, but it's the guy who owns the floor covering store like my family did, or, you know, the local gas station, you know, set the tone for your employees, show them that you sponsor a, yeah. a DU banquet or any other conservation organization that really speaks to your heart. But collectively people are really coming to understand that we do have to do something yeah. for our planet. We're experiencing temperatures and misery here in the Midwest <laughs> like we've never experienced before. Yep. So the argument is over as yeah. to, you know, what's happened now let's just fix it. And yeah. It is great to see so many different industries and major players coming to the table. It is, it it, it is, and, and to your point, you know, the couple of folks you you gave shout outs to there. I mean, to me, you know, these it takes leaders like that, you know, in 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 this in this space, you know, Steve and Rudy are are, are two that are at the top of the list. I mean, they you know they talk about it, but they demonstrate it, and and they they care deeply. I mean, they share and set an example in a lot of ways too. And it, I mean, as a, you know, someone on staff, it, that kind of stuff fires me up. You know, it gets me excited about what our future is going to be. And, and I'm really optimistic about it. Really myself and and my team working for Raceline, we of course do a lot of corporate work for Mm -hmm. the company, but Rudy gives us a lot of free reign to talk about conservation issues. I mean, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for his blessing to try to get more people educated about what's going on on our landscape and how we can collectively, and that's the word, man, collectively, like work to make things better with corporate support, with conservation organizations, with the agriculture industry, with the oil and gas industry, like collectively seeking out solutions, alternative solutions that make this planet healthier and hopefully longer lasting. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it old adage, but it stands true. You don't go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, you know, it's, it is. And, and, but that's the magic in it too. I think the, um, you know, we can all improve in, in, in what we're doing and, and how we deliver mission. And, and that's been the, one of the many things I've really appreciated, you know, back to our climate smart commodities grant and collaborating with, uh, with all of our partners is just the perspective, you know, being able to, you know, have these, really open and collaborative conversations around these mutual 
these issues that are of mutual interest to all of us and and say, here's how we're looking at it. Here's how, here's what our goals would be. And someone on the other side of the table says, we have that same goal too, but here's our perspective. And, but here's how you could get there. And here's how we can get there together. Again, it makes me very optimistic about where we're going to go. And, and um, I think the best, th- best days are ahead of us yet. I agree. You know, with, with Ducks Unlimited, it's easy to know what you guys work on. It's in the name. A number of other organizations, same thing. You know what their mission is because it's in the name. But there's a group called the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. Yep. Going to be up in D.C. actually next week when this podcast comes out at their big event, working on policy. Mm -hmm. So that's something that happens really behind the scenes in a lot of conservation organizations. I know you've been involved in policy in the past. You and I have been in hearings together in the Capitol, giving testimony. Most people aren't aware of that. They're aware of, you know, the work that goes into restoring the wetlands, but how important is good policy and, and educated policy makers for our mission? It's the foundation of everything we do. I mean, it, it's what gives us the, the ability to go deliver conservation. It all starts with, you know, with, with policy on, on lots of fronts. I and mean, we're in the middle of farm bill right now. And that is now very, very bipartisan, which is fantastic, but it still still has to get passed, and it's a primary pillar of great conservation work on private lands is, is farm bill. That's one example. So it being engaged and making sure that you're aware of what policy opportunities, needs, and challenges are out there is really important because it it can make a lot of great things happen if if it's we have good policy. If we if it goes the other direction, it can really slow things down. And so it is the bedrock foundation of of conservation, in my opinion. Well, before we run out of time, hopefully there's some duck hunters listening who are just chomping at the bit to know, like, what do the ducks look like this year? Yep. What kind of a year are we going to have this fall? Yeah. Yeah. So the great question. So the, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say our waterfowl outlook reports are out there now. So they just came out last week. Um, so fair to Midland, we have, uh, you know, some couple species are a little bit low on the long-term average. Um, some are up. So you know, habitat conditions look good. Um, although we've been in a drought here in, in uh, the central part of the country most of the summer, but uh, I think we're anticipating a, a pretty strong duck season this fall. Good. Where would a guy go to get a pintail with a big spray? <laughs> go to the boot heel. The boot heel in Missouri? <laughs> yep. Go to the boot heel. Good. That saves me. I was planning on a trip to California. <laughs> go to the boot heel. Yep. I need to get one of those to complete my collection. There you go. Yep. Yep. Well, Chris, thank you very much for joining yeah. us on Prairie Profits and for all the work that you do at Ducks Unlimited. Tell people a little bit more about how to get a hold of Ducks Unlimited, maybe check out some of the cool media. I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't give another shout out to my good friend, Chris Jennings. I don't know what it is about Ducks Unlimited, yeah. but I got Chris McClellan, Chris Sebastian, Chris Jennings. Like, Do you hire anybody not named Chris? Uh, occasionally. Not, I try to keep from it, though. So I know down there in the communications office in Memphis, they're putting out good material, yeah. helping to educate people, entertain people. Yep. So give us the spiel on, on how to interact with Ducks Unlimited. Yeah, it, it all starts on the website, www.ducks.org. He, you, if you go there, um, you know, obviously we're on Facebook, Insta, Instagram, Twitter, easy to find there. But I uh, would highly encourage everyone to go check out the new website at www.ducks.org. And we have a number of different landing pages. Our agricultural program, for example, has land, has its own landing page. If you go there, you can see in real time current activities, current programs, and, and get in contact with staff like myself. So, How has the banquet 
series come back after COVID? It's been really good. It's been, it's been really, really good. Our volunteers have, uh, have stepped up in a big way during that time and continued that momentum moving forward. And so again, couldn't be uh, any more grateful for our volunteers and for all those folks who, who kick in chip in and participate and attend and the staff that help support those volunteers is, is there, there are warriors out there. Thank you, Chris. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Prairie Prophets podcast with host Brandon Butler. 